This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hi guys, my name's Professor Bob Stone and I'm on the Big Scuba podcast with Gemma and Ian and we're going to be talking about everything from sunken ships and virtual reality to the future of the space race. So here we are, once again. Ready to rock and roll. Hello everybody, welcome to the Big Scuba podcast. Um, my name is Ian, I'm one of the co-hosts, and with me in the lovely world of Lurstoff today, coming at you from Lurstoff on the east coast of the UK, is also Gemma, and it's Fakefield. <laughs> and um got my daughter with me as well. Are you going to say hello, Scuba Honey? Hi. <laughs> That's enthusiastic. Don't, don't say too much for the, uh, our lovely <laughs> listeners. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, so that's hello from Scuba Honey. So thank you very much for downloading this podcast. Um, we are on 79, so that must mean there's 78 previous episodes yes, downloaded. Yeah. We spoke to Blue Abyss on episode 78, Yeah, and this um, episode is slightly related to Blue Abyss. It certainly is. Um, we are talking to our first professor. I think so, yeah. Um, first professor, so Professor Robert Stone, um, and he talks to us about virtual reality, scanning wrecks, um, how it helps people in the diving and scuba. And the maritime world. Yeah, maritime world. And um, and he's a consultant for Blue Abyss. Yes, yeah, and he actually made contact with us, didn't he? So he did. we thought we'd have yeah. a matter. Yeah, and uh, he did talk about some really interesting stuff. And... Uh, he's been in the industry over 35 years i think so there's he's seen a lot of um progress with technology yes sure. yeah um we better just mention heads up that there is a little bit of a satellite delay when we talk to uh, uh bob we are yes i think there's a second or bob. so delay wasn't there there is a little bit so uh yeah so when we're talking about space there's actually Almost like that. <laughs> <laughs> it works, it and, you know, and the message comes yeah. through. So, um, so if you listen to us for the first time, and uh, we got to say, you know, thank you very much. And if you're wondering about what it is we talk about, well, we talk about diving, we talk about scuba diving, we talk about free diving, marine conservation. Yeah, we're in. We made our hundredth country the other day. We did. Right? Yeah. And um, we, uh, I'm a dive master. I've been diving for about two, uh, done about 250 dives. Been diving about four or five years. And Gem, you are a baby diver. I'm a new diver. Yes, so I've done 21 dives, and I'm an open water. So we uh, we get we like to have people on who come talk to us about some of the exciting things that they've done. Yeah, from all walks of life. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's some of them. In the forces, some of them have been in base, some of them have just done really well at exploring and in the film industry. Yeah, and generally, some people just love diving and they want to come on. You know, that we had, we had Ian Travers, um, I can think of, you know, he wanted to talk to us about diving in North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. Yeah, so and he was so passionate about it and yeah, he was really well received. Yeah, so that's kind of who we are yeah so, and we're always open to ideas and you know like 
communication from you. So, yeah. yeah so going. apart from uh, Professor Robert Stone, who's coming up, we have also got a little bit of news on a dive computer for you. Yes. Yep. So we posted um, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, about asking for your recommendations about what advice you would give me for my first dive computer. And we had a really good response, didn't we? Brilliant. Probably yeah. one of the best. Actually. Yeah. Over Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's yeah. really good. And a couple of emails. So so we've whittled them all down and I'm now having a closer look at the Shearwater Peregrine. Woohoo! <laughs> Welcome to the class. Yeah, so that's uh, that came out a lot of um, so Shearwater was mentioned a bit, Sunto, Garmin. Yeah. So, yeah, there is some brilliant makes, and uh, although you are looking at Shearwater, we don't take anything away from the other brands because no, they're really great. And um, I think there are many schools that dive on Sunto uh, dive yeah. computers and uh, are brilliant. And I think Jill Highness, particularly, um, who's a big Sunto. Uh, diver yeah um and i know there's quite a few uh bills the first time i would think of and um you know they are great dive computers as well so yeah good. so watch this space yeah and this is personal choice when it mm. comes down to it doesn't it yeah yeah and so, uh, but thank you, know, you yeah absolutely it's really great that everybody fed back and um i've not heard from, had the same response about glasses i am still looking no um so if you can Got any uh, any thoughts on prescription glasses? Um, particularly because I've now got to use mine a lot more than what I was and my contact. So, but you can dive in contact lenses in yeah. a couple of weeks, yeah, and then um, yeah. So you just need some sunglasses for kind of work and yeah. Every I just wonder what everybody, anyone's got any preference? Um, what's a good brand out there? I, I can think of a few brands, but I wasn't quite sure what consensus is so uh, last call if you've got any thoughts on uh what prescription glasses to go for i'd like to hear your hear your views yep, contact us by email or on our social media platforms yeah and we're diving we are we've got a date booked thank goodness uh back <laughs> in the water in, so what's that been like three weeks well weeks? yeah you've not been allowed to have oh yeah okay i ran a little bit of a board but yeah, back in the water on the 17th, that lovely stony cove. Yep, so looking forward to that. And we're just going to get a bit of practice in before we head up to the farms. Farms, yes. Go yeah, yes. dance with the seals. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, well, you've not dived with the seals before, have you? No, not any um, sort of large wild boars. Someone told me when you dive with the seal up at Farnards, you have to entertain them. Okay. And I've found that to be true. Because I've had, you know, seals come up and if you don't really react or anything like that, they're gone, they disappear. But I've also had seals come up where I've got a bit of kelp. I've like wiggled it about, you know, and they kind of <laughs> look at it and they go, what's well, They stick around, to. do they? They just tend to hang around. Yeah. So a little top tip, you know, um, entertain your seals to keep them around. Just a bit concerned about if they nibble a hose or... I thought so. They don't normally. Um, they do have big teeth and they do have big claws. <laughs> and you, I've, when you see them up close, they're like, oh, yeah, Ian's right, they do have big teeth. But uh, that's so Labradors. Yeah, the wire's just playful, yeah. isn't it? It's playful. They, I have been on a dive with, they've actually nibbled at my buddy's arm. And I'm talking, yeah, you know, puppy wood. Yeah. They're like, Oh, what's that? Not aggressively. No, 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 not at all. We're not talking, you know, 
aggressive, but as a play in a playful way, mm. yeah. like a puppy. Would. Like, is that something I can eat? Ooh, no. Yeah. Well, we'll look forward to it and see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, actually a beautiful part of the world as well. Yeah. Mm. So, up in the Farne Islands. So uh, that's the end of the month. Yeah. So that's what we've got planned so far. Yeah. I'm also going to say, I know we haven't rehearsed this, let's say a little fr- hello to our friends at Blue Earth too, because mm. um, kind of waiting for them yeah, still. So if you listen to this, guys, at Blue Earth too, hello. Uh, thanks for listening, but um, we're waiting on you. <laughs> we're waiting. <for laughs> we're <you>. waiting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that'd be good to hear from you guys. And that. Mm-hmm. But anyway. That's it. Um, that's kind of the heads up. The eye is on the, on the men. I've got another week left for classes. Yep. Um, and then I should be uh, all okay to get in the water again. There's no more other incidents. No. No, he had one yesterday. <laughs> just stay safe. I know. So there like... you go. Right. Okay. So let's get in and uh, let's hear and chat to <laughs> Professor... Robert Stone. Yeah, so here he is. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to the Big Stupid Podcast. This is episode 79 and we are talking to Bob Stone today. So hello, Bob. Hi, guys. Nice to see you. Yeah, you too. Hi, Bob. Yeah, so um, it's obviously following on from our chat with John Vickers and Emma Farrell from Blue Abyss. We've made contact with you as you're involved in the Blue Abyss project. So for our audience, would you like to say who you are and what you do? Certainly. I'm I'm Professor Bob Stone. Uh, I'm actually an emeritus professor because I'm kind of semi-retired, although that retirement is not as going exactly as I thought. Um, I'm a psychologist by training uh, and a human factors engineer, so looking at the the relationship between human and technologies. And I've had a very sort of checkered roller coaster history of a a career going from working in the the North Sea to um, underwater submersibles, remotely controlled submersibles, and uh, then looking at virtual, what we call virtual and mixed reality uh, to train future career-based individuals from all all walks of life. So it's a case, it's been very checkered. but the, the relationship with John uh, Vickers came about uh, quite recently, within the last four or five years, as he's tried to push the, the, the Blue Abyss concept and uh, innovative initiative further. Yeah. So will you be involved in um, creating kind of virtual reality situations or are you sort of consulting with other people involved in the project? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm down as their, their human factors and simulation consultant. So one of the things that we're interested in is, as I mentioned, mixed reality. So this idea of having this this stonking great uh, training tank at Nuki, which is which is uh, John's dream, and uh, a neutral buoyancy tank, is one of the things I'm interested in. Is is looking at how we can develop virtual reality. So for example, you could train both divers, ROV operators, for example and astronauts by putting them into the tank, but then, for example, displaying um, different scenarios on the headsets uh, as, as they're down there. So this idea of mixing the real with the virtual. Um, and it, it'll be a team effort. I'm, I'm just single, a single individual, but I've got a team behind me that will be hopefully developing the, uh, the, the scenarios and the graphics as well. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so are you saying that they'll be wearing like the virtual reality goggles and that? 
Is that what you mean? Well, there'll be modified scuba scuba uh, gear. Obviously, there's been quite a lot of uh, a lot of work done on using virtual reality underwater, noticeably, noticeably in 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 France and Germany. Uh, so, so that's not as te- much of a technical problem as it was a long time ago. But you can imagine, for example, if you've got uh, astronaut type helmets, those type helmets, uh, okay. a lot of them are designed to have projection on the domes. I mean, NASA's been looking at looking at this for quite some time, and it's only recently that it's been taken up in the. Uh, the, the sub aqua world as well yeah and I suppose- so do you think they'll come like um you know there was that um i think it was on was it edema it came out somebody brought out instead of having regulators it was um, if i go diving i think it was we have a helmet with a breathing apparatus all built into it and it actually looked like something out of star wars mm. uh, so are we talking about that type of set up for future of diving do you think that's the way it might go it might go that way I, i'm, I'm not, it, it may it's probably going to be used more for training in very extreme thing extreme uh, parts of diving i also think there's not there's a there's a, a really big role for using virtual reality in diver safety training mm-hmm. so some of the work we did back in the 2000s for example in recreating a three-dimensional model of the x hms scylla and of course, there have been two dive fatalities on the cellar due to silting and, and people going into areas of the of the wreck where they shouldn't do. But being yeah. able to use that uh, with diving equipment to train people before they go out, I think there's, there's, there's a great, a great potential. And I think, too, as we see things as we see things developing with divers working in hand in hand with remotely controlled and possibly autonomous you know, robotic submersibles, teaching them the safety aspects of working side by side with a robot underwater, uh, in, again, in hazardous conditions, has, has also got a lot, a lot of potential going for it. Yeah. And I suppose there's going to be a time where um, humans will work at depth, serious depths, alongside robots. For um, I don't think they'll ever replace it. Because I was listening to a guy, he's an ex-pilot. I think actually, I think he's still serving U.S. pilot. And somebody had questioned him about uh, flying, about whether pilots will just be took out of planes, full stop. And you still need, and he, his view was, is that you still need that human factor. You know, yes, people uh, are flying planes at a distance, well away. And, uh, and in safety and um, the planes are autonomous, but you still need a certain element of human factor. In, and he thought that, you know, uh, there will still always be a place for a human pilot. And I can kind of see that down at depth, you know, if you're in the North Sea at 100 metres down and there's welding to be done, will a robot be able to do that totally on its own? Will there still be need for a human being to be involved actually to say yeah has actually been done right and you know that sort of element yeah i i couldn't agree more was when you read all these articles about autonomous systems online uh, and in fact one of my one of my uh, phd students a young lady called Faye mccabe is looking into this you know how much how much trust can you put in a system that's designed to work completely autonomously um and we, 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 I constantly hear of disaster stories of people who forget the human because they think that today's robotics, today's autonomous vessels and what have you can do everything. They can't. They can't. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have this degree of 
to, to, the, the technical term is reversion to manual control. It's all very, you have the human supervising and, and inputting waypoints and, 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 and the high level control. But if, for example, one of the sensors goes belly up on the remote system, you've got to get the human back into the control loop. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I, I, I think people are getting too excited about autonomy um, and they do so at the cost of safety and they do so at the cost yeah. of possibly causing quite significant accidents. So yeah. yes, wave the flag to the human. We've seen that um, we're actually with cars as well, haven't we? Where uh, in California and that they've, you know, people have been killed. I won't mention the brand, but you know, have been killed in accidents because they've gone reading books and things like that while they're driving along. And there's been too much. I think the first accident was down to the too much light was reflecting off something. The computer system didn't pick it up, and there was an accident. You know, and they went in the back of a vehicle. Um, so I think there's always going to be uh, and quite a good job, really. You know, there's always going to be human factors involved in all this. But you've been involved with some really interesting things with the virtual reality. Um, and you know you've pro- you've been involved with this as the technology is advanced all the time. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I, I've been I've been in this field now for over thirty four years. For actually, thirty thirty four years this month. Um, so I've seen the early the early uh, NASA work, which is which is interesting because their first headset was basically a couple of pocket televisions inside a scuba mask. Would you believe um, back mm. in nineteen eighty? Back in 1987, yeah. Uh, so, as, as I mentioned at the outset, it, it, I mean, virtual reality has experienced a, a roller coaster ride of ups and downs, pros and cons, successes and failures. And uh, we're still not there yet. It's, it, it's still not. It's still not the ultimate, you know, computer-generated metaverse or whatever they, whatever they want to call it these days. Um, but uh, it's been interesting to see it develop. But it's also been interesting to try and take the technology and, and, and apply it to real world, real world applications. That's been quite a challenge. Having a view of this hopefully start uh, being built and developed, then that's going to open up a lot of opportunity, isn't it? To sort of take technology a bit further with like access in this country. Oh, I think yes, I think so. I think I think if you think of the 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 plans that John's got for Blue Abyss, and if you think of, you know, we're not we're not going to be able to afford to build physical models of every scenario that that uh, you know the, the the advanced divers of tomorrow or the astronauts of tomorrow going up uh, launching from from the old St Morgan runway at Newquay. We're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to afford to do that. So we've got to get this blend between simulation and real world objects correct otherwise we're going to end up wasting an awful lot of money and i think the blue abyss situation will will massively help push that through yeah. yeah so have you worked with divers in your career have you had divers come to you to sort of ask for help or yeah yeah on, on a number of occasions i mean as i say I, i've I've mostly been uh, been I won't say tinkering. It's, it's it's part of the work I did many years ago, uh, working in, with with manned submersibles. I mean, I remember I was actually stuck on the seabed at Loch Linney for thirteen hours on board the old LR 2s three man submersible, and I also uh, got to I also got to pilot the um, the Mantis Duplass submersible, which is a, which is a a cross between a manned and an unmanned vehicle. Um, it was in the film. It was in the James Bond film, uh, For Your Eyes Only, I think. In terms of actually one-to-one with divers, yes, we 
one of the one of the the best examples of that is when uh, some colleagues of mine in an organisation called Ships Shipwrecks in Plymouth Sound, um, they wanted to dive on the wreck of the A7 submarine. Um, the, the A7 was uh, tragically lost in, um, in 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 1914, I think it was, literally months before the First World War, and the guys down there um, were very keen to get MOD permission to dive on the wreck because it's it's a non-penetrating wreck. It's it's a it's 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 a good it's a good 130 meters down, possibly more. Oh. Um, but of course, it's a, it's it's a maritime grave site. It's not a war site. It's it's a maritime grave site. So it's 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 not to be touched. And they wanted to find out really what what caused what what caused the wreck or caused the submarine to go down. So what we did with our virtual reality, initially, we produced as best we could um, a simple three-dimensional model of the submarine as it might look today on, or, or as it might have looked then rather, on, 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 the, on the, the seabed in, um, so it's, it's just, it's in Whitsand Bay, south of Rame Head. Um, not that, well, not that far from where the Scylla is and the James Egan Lane, which is also a popular, a popular sports dive site. Uh, and, with the virtual reality model, they were able to apportion work to each of them because obviously they could only spend limited time down there. Mm -hmm. So they were able to do that. Uh, so, 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 uh, so we could show them what the wreck might look like, what it looked like in its pristine condition, and then they, they apportioned the work. And then they, 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 they then brought up videos and, and, and up-to-date pictures, and we were they then able to do a much more accurate VR reconstruction and introduce things like turbid water and all this kind of thing. So that that was a really exciting project, and that's and that's been published as a as, as a survey report. Yeah. Right. So what was the cause of the um, sinking? Did, did they find that out? They did. It was it, it was very strange. It was um uh, the submarine, the, the A class submarine, was the the, the, the first brand of submarine class of submarine to be built in to be built actually in the uk and designed by the in, in the uk but they had notorious issues with ballast um and they tended to go down unfortunately quite easily uh and with the, the need for the guys on board there's only a complement of 12 to pull the submarine up and what happened was the submarine's prop got embedded in the clay and as the prop went round, it's pulled it in further and further. So originally the submarine was something like 30 to 40 degrees bow up, stuck in the stuck in the in the clay. And no matter what the, the Navy did to get hawsers around and pull them up, it simply couldn't do it. So what they think was it, it, they tried to pull it up when it went unstable and wham into the into the clay, sucked back, and that was that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I guess you know, the technology that you had, you know, it's great to get an answer for something that was unknown at the time, isn't it? Well, yes. I mean, now the great thing is that we now we can take this as, as we do on regular occasions out to, to general public and school kids and to show them what's on their doorstep, really. I mean, that's just one example. Uh, it was just one example of, what we, of, of the projects we've done with divers. Uh, but it's great to be able to show them um, what the submarine looked like, then what the submarine looks like now, and talk to them about how difficult it was because I mean, the submarine was covered in nets and it's, it's poor mariner practice. It was just absolutely littered with, with, with nets. And just to talk to them generally about the kind of things you find on these, like, like the, um, the, uh, the eels that were down there. I mean, there, there, was, there were some huge conger eels down there that, that popped out and had a look at the divers whilst they were doing the ultrasonic testing. Uh, and we, we, we got a virtual conger eel in there. Uh, and just to show, 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 show children, that, like, like the Scylla, 
these wrecks are down there, but they provide reefs mm. for you know, for creatures even today, which which gets them really interested. Yeah, yeah, and it is about inspiring, you know, the younger generation to continue this kind of view of technology, isn't it? And set, you know, yeah. on the path that you know you've started. Well, yeah, to do with this kind of to do, to do. Sorry, I said um, I was just about to say you seem to be. Uh, to me, the sort of guy who's got a, a shed in his back garden and con constantly tinkering away in his shed. Um, not so much the shed, and, and I'm not going to move the webcam because it's precariously balanced anyway, but, but the folks who know me know that I'm, I'm, I'm mad keen on science fiction models, which drives my wife insane. <laughs> so off to my left and my right, I've got, I've got one cabinet full of eagle spaceships from space 1999 i've got doctor who over there i've got um yeah and and there's more upstairs the cupboards are full so i tinker in that respect uh but yeah you're close i'll give you that eagle. you're close <laughs> i think i had an eagle spaceship but you know when you think about it you know british um ingenuity and you know we, we had some great inventors you know let's face it the jet engine one of the things that was invented in a garden shed in England, um, bouncing bomb, hovercraft, loads of things, or you know, men yeah. tinkering away in sheds. <laughs> the best, it's, it's, it's the best place. That's where that, that's where that's where we get your creative juices flowing. It's if you're a man shed or a man cave, what more, yeah. or 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 even should I say a person cave, just to be politically correct. Yes, um, of course. Who, who wants who wants more? Who Cup wants tea more? in hand and in the shed tinkering away inventing stuff Absolutely. so um yeah i see you also done some quite a lot with the royal navy as well quite a few projects yes um, we, subsafe we, oh subsafe right subsafe yes subsafe was was kind of related to the underwater area but subsafe was um a project that, that, that lasted quite a few years went through different uh different versions to get it right and cut a long story short it was all about um helping train the future safe submariner so the issue was that uh with the number of submarines decreasing i mean obviously the, the, the t-class boats i think there are only a couple of t-class boats left and then of course astutes come online and the the fact was that when these guys are being trained down in devonport the, the chances were or are that there won't be a submarine moored alongside for them to go on board and learn where all the safety kit is, how to bring the submarine up. You know, where's the emergency control blow valve? Where's the thermal imager? Where are the, where's the, where are the uh, fire extinguishers? So the team built um, the forward end of a T-class submarine from scratch. So there was, there was no computer design data. So we had to build the, the thing from scratch, all decks. That? Oh, on board, tape measure, camera. Uh, it took some time. It really took some time. Okay. I mean, nowadays, thank goodness, there are com there are computer design models of these submarines, so it's not as difficult. Um, but the great thing about that is once once we once we completed the model, we we ran about eighteen months of trials with the um, the, the, the the naval ratings down in uh, Drake at Devonport, and we showed that those that got the virtual reality training perform better on board. Uh, so for example, if we asked them to get a piece of equipment, but we, we removed that piece of equipment and they had to get their next nearest alternative, they were able to navigate on, on board the deck or on the deck and go up and down to find the next alternative. Or if, if, if an exit route was blocked, they would know an alternative route to go to to actually evacuate from the submarine. Very successful, 
uh, influence also influence the um, the Royal Canadian Navy and the Royal Australian Navy to go ahead with their own programs. So, so, so mm-hmm. it was quite a big impact. Yeah. Have you ever done anything like with caves, making virtual reality caves underwater or mines? Um, no, we've we, we've done. We've, we've done a few projects underwater which are related to things like heritage. So when we were um, looking, when we discovered the, the torpedo nets at Baratol Reservoir, which that, that was a project that's in fact is still ongoing, um, or uh, mostly wrecks, but we've never done anything with caves. Mm. Now that would be interesting because we, we've, we've done work with old, with, with caves, quarries and other structures using 3D scanning. So, for example, we scanned some of the cor- the, um, the corridors at Drake's Island, or we we scanned uh, we used a drone to to scan the um, to actually scan the uh, uh, one of the um, quarries on Dartmoor, so that you could actually see you could actually produce a three D model of this quarry without having to go up there with a tape measure. So, the, I mean, the technology exists to do underwater mm-hmm. caves, and and, and uh, th- that would that would be absolutely amazing if we could do that. Yeah, yeah cave exploration is, you know, always, always ongoing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and requires a good situational awareness, too, because, I mean, obviously, that, there's an awful lot of risk involved in, 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 in cave diving. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned you've been in submersibles. So did that <clears throat> whet your appetite to maybe try scuba? Yeah, I think I'm at the age now where sort of age and age and health conditions probably scuppered my. I, I, mean, I would, I would, I would give anything to dive. I really would give anything to dive. Um, I think the, uh, the 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 first the first submersible dive, say in Loch Linney, which would have put any normal person off, um, didn't put me off. Uh, and I've been down, I've been down with the Royal Navy on on the the predecessor to the the, the submarine rescue system up off the uh, the coast of Arran. That was good, and then ended up on board HMS Tireless, uh, st- uh, and we for for a short visit or for a short sea trip, including underwater, and just and just that you know uh, being on the fin and, and and looking at looking at the the, the English Channel in, in all its glory. Diving when she was when she was going down, um, they had the, uh, the 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 cameras on the fin looking upwards, and there were there were dolphins swimming around the the search periscope as the submarine as the submarine actually dived. I, I mean, yes, I'd, I'd I'd give anything to dive. I really would. Yeah, well, it's great to be able to see it from the perspective of a yeah. possible. Yeah, so there's not many people that can say that. <laughs> No, but then again, you are you're restricted. And if you're in a submersible, uh, you, I mean, in the Loch Linney one, I was I was sat at the back in a very uncomfortable position. And, and of course, all you've got is a dome. And when you're sat far, back that far, all you see is a dome and turbid water. To be able to get out there and and, and, and explore where you want to explore, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's got to be awesome. It's got to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, once uh, Blue Abyss comes online, I'm sure, you know, it's going to inspire a lot of people to um, think about what the future holds for them. Well, I certainly hope so. We, we've seen that in the past. I mean, the, again, another project we did with, um, with, a, with, with a, a previous diver, a guy called Colin Irwin, uh, just to see how we could inspire him to go back into his underwater habitat, um, which, he, which, he, which he built uh, in the uh, in in 1965 and, and and launched it in Plymouth Sound. I mean, he was a member of the um, I think it was the Bournemouth 
subaqua club and just being able to recreate what he did back in 65 and allow him to virtually swim down this habitat, uh, which was called the Glaucus, and then go up inside and test the air quality and release virtual oxygen and mess around with virtual soda lime. Uh, just to see his response to that was, 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 was really inspiring. So it does. I, I think it's, it's not just the technology. It's the fact that you can bring all the... I mean, the Glaucus now, is it, it's still off... Plymouth Breakwater, and it's in, an, it's, it's in a terrible condition, but it's, it's, it's the first ever habitat the UK did at a time when Cousteau was, was developing Conshelf and the guys over in the States were developing Sea Lab at thousands, tens and tens of thousands of dollars. This guy puts together this underwater habitat for a thousand pound and spends a week in it. You know, this is, this, I mean, talk about, either, talk about being it? in a shed, Ian. <laughs> but that's not very big either. Can it wasn't spending a week in it. I know it, it, it wasn't very big at all. I mean, and, and certainly I know the, uh, the, the, the head or the toilet, whatever you want to call it, was completely compartmentalized for obvious reasons. But you had to get out, swim under and swim back up into the loo for your um, ablutions. So that must have been a challenge. Three and a half meters long and two meters in diameter cylinder. Mount, yeah. Mountain on the four leg platform. That's right, and and kept on the bottom by yards and yards of old railway line, <laughs> and 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 if you think in that you've got you've got the, the the two bunks, you've got all the gas analysis apparatus, you've got the trays of soda lime, you've got tanks of uh, oxygen, um, you've got one telephone link with with the guys on the breakwater fort, and somehow they had to get they had to get the meals down there. And I think that involved the diver popping up and throwing the meals back, throwing the meals in and coming back up again. But that was, yeah, that, that was that was an incredible pro project. And I think it, it's really sad. You know, it was the first, and it, and it was a world first in, in that it had self-contained uh, atmospheric system. Mm. That's you know, Cousteau, Cousteau and the Sea Lab guys weren't doing that. And now, and and it's and no nobody down there seems to know about it. Even today, it's a real shame. Yeah. It's part of history, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So do you think technology will advance so people can maybe experience the scuba world without obviously getting wet? No. If I'm honest with you, no. That's one of the projects. We don't often turn a project away, but we did turn a project away with the, uh, the submarine escape tank guys down at Gosport. You know, you've probably okay. seen that there's a lot of free diving that go, goes on now. And they yeah. came to us and they said, well, we're, we're going to have to we're going to have to close the tank down because of health and safety uh, reasons. Well, hang on a minute. You know, what what don't you understand about trying to escape from a submarine? You know, you, you're actually get, taking away the best experience these guys have had. Well, yeah. you guys can do it with virtual reality, can't you? So don't be daft. You can imagine <sighs> how yeah, I'm sure we could go through the procedures, but then. When you flood that tank and you open that tank and you shoot up and you've got to breathe out all the time, otherwise you get walloped by a, by a, by a diver waiting for you to come up. How the heck can you experience that? So no, it's, it, it will help with procedures. It will never, I don't think, not until they invent something like the Star Trek holodeck. Um, and I won't be around for that. Uh, it'll, never replace, it'll never replace the, the experience of, of, of getting wet. Absolutely, mm -hmm. getting wet and pressure and the effect on the ears and 
yeah. having a shark come up behind you or a, or a, or a conger looking at you from a, an old submarine. It, it, <laughs> it, no, no. Virtual reality is good. It ain't that good. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's probably something some people haven't even considered, is it? About helping training and yeah, advancing technology. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think there is an issue with, and it's been like this since 87 when I got involved. People still look upon it as being just a glorified computer game. You know, my son will play Half-Life Alex using the, the, the headset I've got at home here. Um, but it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, we've, we've done so much in the past, as you said, with the Navy and the Air Force and the, the military. We're doing a lot of work with health, you know, in healthcare. We've got the, uh, the Southwest, um, Southwest Ambulance Service. And just today, uh, using one of our demonstrations, which is actually narrated by Sir David Attenborough, to help ambulance crews chill out between shifts. It's got so much more impact uh, in, in the real world what do you than, mean? Um, than you would expect from online. Right. How, how do you mean it helps them uh, chill out in between shifts? What we did, uh, we worked with uh, a great lady called Sheila Poppert, who had written these scripts uh, originally for end of life care for patients who were near their end of life. And what we did was one of my students developed that into a virtual reality recreation. So it's essentially you put the headset on and you're on the side of an, it's an alpine mountainside in effect. And the idea is that what happens is this music comes on and then Sir David Attenborough comes on saying, you, you are on the side of a mountain, deep breathing deeply, relax. And he's got you know, David Attenborough's dulcet tones. He's got a fabulous voice. Um, and over 15 minutes, the whole scene changes. So you go from day to night, you see the campfire comes on, little fireflies, you've got the northern lights, blah, blah, blah. And uh, what we found experimentally is that, that, that people who use this come out thinking, my goodness, that was 15 minutes really well spent. We've tried it on patients, we've tried it on teachers, and we're now trying it on the ambulance crews because... And particularly the control crews, because they get obviously they, 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 they've, they've gone through a period of unbelievable stress and anxiety with COVID and having to, to having to balance that with normal ambulance services. So now they're trying they're, they're trying this um, this mountain scene with uh, Sir David Attenborough's patter to see if we can help them chill during their breaks between shifts. And it's really interesting. What about an underwater? Yes, scene? Well, the, the, in fact, that, absolutely. Now, there, there is, um, there is I'm, I'm sure it's still available. You can buy something called the Blue, B L U, uh, where you're on a wreck or you're actually swimming underwater uh, with uh, like whales around you and all kinds of wonderful noises. That's been used in hospices. And that's been used in hospices again for end of life care really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's one of the things that one of the other projects I was involved in was, was with um, uh, dive, diving supervisors in the North Sea. Now, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a group of people who get stressed very, 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 very easily. No, you know, no fault of their own, but they're trying, to, they're trying to manage guys in habitats, divers, ROVs, ships coming along, you know, putting pigs down and goodness knows what else. That's the kind of thing where if we could give them 50 minutes of that in between their shifts, Mm. maybe that will help as well yeah yeah if it's scientifically proven yeah yeah well not there yet but but, well it's it it, it's great because it it means that 
one of my students who's, who's done this, and we've been working with a Glasgow-based company as well, to, to put it onto the, 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 new, the new breed of, of what we call standalone headsets. So you don't need an expensive laptop, and you don't need to walk around with a cable. It's all, it's all done on the headset. And to see that making an impact in the real world, to help people chill, particularly in the current circumstances, mm. um, is unbelievably rewarding. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. The other thing you could do is get them to listen to a good uh, scuba podcast. You could absolutely. Why not? And and you know we we, we could be doing it in th- we, we could be doing it in three sixty sooner or later. Then you would then you would see how messy my desk is, and you would see my cabinets <laughs> of my cabinets of, of of tat, as my wife calls it. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, which is probably the tip of the iceberg in technology and the way it's going to go. It's just yeah. Mm really exciting to go on a time travel journey and to see where how far it goes and you know with blue abyss kind of how that makes things evolve as well yeah 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 so what's next? We, need, we need things what's next oh well um we're currently working with the with again the the defense medics um to look at how we can train the young guys and girls who go out on helicopters and hovercraft and Royal Marines, we're involved with the Royal Marines as well, to save lives of casualties before they get them back to... So, I guess, so again, an application diving relationship could be put them into uh, put them in, in, in a helicopter where they've rescued a diver who's suffering from the bends. What do you do? You know, and, and what happens if you're having to do that at night? Or what happens if you're having to do that uh, and, and, and you have the winch to guy in from a, you know, a C-State 6? So the idea there is we've got this, this enclosure, which is completely blue inside. And we have special headsets where we modify them with a camera. Now, this is what we call mixed reality. So the camera picks up anything that's blue is virtual. So when you look up, you're inside a, a virtual helicopter. Anything that's not blue, like your casualty, you can see for real, and you can see your hands, and you can touch the real casualty. So there's none of this nonsense about wearing these fancy, what we call haptic touch gloves that you see online, because mm. basically they, they don't work. They really don't. Um, but being able to train on a casualty when everything else is going pear-shaped around you, is, is something that the, the, the Royal Centre for Defence Medicine is very interested in. So that's our main project at the moment. And as I say, the other, the other one we're hoping to do um, in, in the summer is to take, uh, a, a, again, a small autonomous surface vessel down to the, um, the, the Baratour Reservoir and to see if my theory that the old, uh, the, the old torpedo nets that they put in place back in the, in, in the 40s actually are still there, still there and go across the reservoir. Um, because because that, that was my Titanic moment when, when, when I took the little remotely operated submersible down um, and this four foot diameter sphere came out of the, came out of the Merck and they had these 17 inch chain mail nets on the bottom mm. and just just i mean that was just unbelievable and again i, I wish you can't what dive reservoir in the was that it was the barator reservoir just north of plymouth okay mm. look that yeah well that'd be great yes. if it comes into yeah reality won't it and you get to see see it's real well we've 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 already we've already said the rov dives uh, have mapped out a handful of the the buoyancy spheres and the nets uh but i'm keen to find out if they still exist all the way across we have one 1940s 40s photograph taken of the reservoir from the distance where you can see just two lines of blips 
going across the reservoir surface. So they obviously there were two nets. Uh, there were two mm-hmm. nets. Um, so they were there. Uh, but even Southwest Water, who owned the reservoir, supplying water to Plymouth, they had no idea they were down there. Why were they put there? Why do you think they were put there in the first place? Torpedo attack from the Germans. Um, there is a picture. There is there is a picture that was taken from a reconnaissance German aircraft Luftwaffe, uh, which shows the um, which shows the reservoir. So they obviously had an interest in it, uh, and and obviously they thought that it was uh, because it was a prime source of water for Devonport Dockyard. It might be worth taking out. Uh, but the Germans didn't have a bouncing bomb like we did, courtesy of Barnes. Uh, but they, they, they did have uh, they did have Heinkel aircraft that were torpedo equipped. Um, and it's interesting that one Heinkel aircraft actually crashed on the side of a tour, a tour uh, or Peaks Hill, just uh, just uh, just on the side of the reservoir. So they were flying over there. Mm. Um, so, they, so they decided to take these, take some of the nets from Plymouth Sound, which were protecting the ships at the time and put them in place in Borotor in uh, just to prevent any torpedo taking the dam out the main dam yeah. oh well there might be some people yeah listening that might yeah yeah there's, a, there's quite a big uh, diving group down there um yeah. uh, Plymouth Sound and all you know all around there because the diving's so good and you know there's plenty of wrecks um and wartime very busy uh around all all the way or along that coast you know it's very busy it's 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 an amazing place. You say I haven't dived myself, but I, the ROVs down. I mean, we've got the Glen, the Glen Strathallan, which is a, another ship that was um, scuttled and then blown up because it was a navigation hazard. You can still dive on that, and and, and the boiler, the, the main boiler, is is, is absolutely. I came across that too. That's wonderful. Yeah. The Glaucus again is down there, and there's all there's all kind there's a cannon, and there's all kinds of bits and pieces around the breakwater fort. Um, there's a Lancaster that crashed next to the breakwater so the engine blocks are still there i mean the whole place as you say it, it, it's it, it's littered with wrecks and, it, and yeah. it's incredible it's, it's an incredible place for divers yeah yeah no, you got asked to look into that wreck um i can't remember the name of it now uh, the i think it's in the thames and there's it's um it it i think it ran aground or something in the uh, just before d-day it's absolutely full of ammunition and um, dynamite. So, have you been asked to do anything with that? No, no, I'm, I'd be, be very, <laughs> I'd be very surprised if anyone was asked. I mean, it's, apparently, it's in a very precarious condition, isn't it? Yeah, they it took is, that yeah. up. All the like, what's is it, is it, is it Hornsey Island? If if that went up, it would take it would take some of the. Uh, some of the, uh, the the side terrain of the of the the Thames with it, I mean, yeah. but to be but to, but be, to be able to go uh, dive an ROV or even well, I don't diving yourself. I don't know if there have been any divers divers down. I haven't seen any videos of, of the of the wreck. I would have thought that they we, steer uh, clear we, of that. We had the guys on from the bomb disposal side um, from Portsmouth, and they they do get asked to make periodic checks to it to. Um, mm. To just to check on the on the deteriorating state of it, um, I think they, they say they do it yearly. Oh yeah, I think it possibly was. Yeah, it might have been yearly. Yeah, do they do it, obviously they do it from afar, but a job like that, you know, you if you could do that with uh, some kind of robotic, where you could send it in to check, well, you know, it's a brilliant thing to do. 
It would be. I mean, I, I would be very nervous with current technology because, of course, if you, heaven knows what would ha happen if because I, I fly drones as well, and you know, I've had, oh, I've had a few mishaps with drones uh, because you can't you can't see all around you. You know, imagine a, a, a mm -hmm. little robot going down and bumping into something, chain reaction, goodbye Thames. You know, it's it's yeah, so it magnetic. The, the soft touch. Well, God knows what's down there, but the soft yeah. touch of a glove diver makes makes complete sense. Yeah, true. Yeah. No, really interesting. So, yeah, so if people want to find out more about you or your projects, have you got a place they can go or is it through the university, like you're involved with the University of Birmingham? Yes. Yeah, we've, we've, got, a, we've got a website. Um, which I can send you after this, but it's basically if they go if they go on to something like Google and type in Hit Team UOB, so it's H I T Team UOB, that will take them to our team's website. It'll also take them to our collection of uh, videos on YouTube, where, for example, the the original uh, the, the Scylla diving project, the Glaucus, um, the submarine project, uh, the other projects like the the Maria, which is uh, the, the ship that um, the ship that was converted into a submarine back in the the uh, 1700s and went down and never came up again. Um, all those all those videos are on the um, on the uh, the YouTube site. So so hit Team UOB that will get them. I've actually got your uh, website address if that's all right to to uh, to say what that is if that's okay. So it's uh, web, you've got two websites, I believe. Uh, www.birmingham.ac.uk forward slash stone and yeah that's stone. my own that's my own one the second one and then a the second one www.birmingham.ac.uk forward slash hit so h-i-t uh, hyphen team and then they should be able to that's the one that's uh, getting for that. Yeah, so, that, that, um, that's that. That's the one I would recommend they go to because they can link back to me and my my other team members uh, from 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 that um, that second one that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's brilliant and um, some really interesting stuff. I think for people who are into you know, especially kids who are listening, if they're interested in the whole side of things of virtual reality and the you know, and how this is all going to come into play into diving and that. Some really good stuff on there to uh, have a look at. Yeah, yeah. And if anybody is interested and they've got questions, can they email the university or can they get in contact with you? Well, they can, e they can email me. Uh, I mean, they can email me at profbobstone at gmail.com. So it's prof as in professor, bob as in bob stone, uh, all one word at gmail.com and uh, more than happy to take yeah and, and, and if they you know, if, if they if there's anybody out there who would like uh, a, a standard copy for example of the a7 submarine which runs on a standard computer well a gaming computer but you can you don't need a headset to experience it you can you can fly around it and change the, the outside just by the keyboard and mouse so there's there's plenty of scope for people to to and you know, we, we don't charge for these demonstrations because I'd much rather they were out there being used, particularly yeah. for education, mm. than, than gathering digital dust on my on, on my on my hard drive. You know, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Schools or universities or colleges can because uh, you never know then what sparks that 
creates when you know when somebody then goes off with another idea and that's how it's how we advance huh, at the end of the day so you know that's that's really good so if you um you know use your virtual reality powers to transform to transport yourself to somewhere where you could go diving where would it be i would love to dive on if they ever find it the wreck of the Sukhuf, which is the which is the biggest submarine ever in world war ii it was french it was okay. uh, I, th- I believe it was uh, it was it was held on to by the free french uh the the, the Brits convent, convinced them to sail to Devonport in the Second World War. Um, there was a there was a bit of a, a, a scuffle in Devonport where where members of the navy were killed, shot, um, and by the French. It, it became a bit of a yeah. It was I think I, I can't remember the exact story. The, the, one of our one of my contacts was going to write a complete book of this, and we did a virtual reality recreation of what the Sukhuf submarine might look like today. Mm. Um, but it's it's a really interesting story and nobody knows where it is it 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 disappeared in very mysterious circumstances um but but if you look up Sukhuf, if you look up the submarine it was huge and at these these huge cannons in the front absolutely yeah worth a look um if anyone finds it and and before i pop my clogs i would be delighted even if this is to go along and and then dive one of my little submersibles on board to go out there with a dive team i would love that yeah that's on my bucket list i'm going to ask but how do you spell that yeah yes it's s-u-r-c-o-u-f sokouf which is a very bad french accent and i apologize Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to yeah see if anybody else has heard of it or on a quest to find it. Yeah, or has found it. Even better if they found it. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and vice versa. And vice versa, please. It always amazes me. Like I think, if you could drain the sea or a section of the sea, what all treasures you'd find on that seabed? Well, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen those TV programs where they do yeah. that? They, they drain like that. That's. I mean, that's using the same techniques that we use, but. You, you see the old the old ships and the and the and the old World War Two aircraft and the, and the U boats the, the whole English channels littered, littered with U U boat wrecks. But that that's that kind of technology always makes my jaw drop. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, awesome to see. Hopefully, it will inspire you know some of the youngsters you know, with that kind of technology that's you know evolving all the time to kind of find all this history. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, well, it's been really interesting to yeah. find out. Yeah, obviously the Blue Abyss connection is great, but yeah, there's so much more yeah, behind that and yeah, continuing projects for you, I hope, as well. Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, I, th- I think with the Blue Abyss, it, it, it's, it's obviously a great honour to be involved with the, with, with the Blue Abyss initiative, um, but we've got all these years uh, of experience in, in, in simulating hazardous worlds to bring to bear to training future um, you know, both commercial and sports, make yeah. them safe and, and the same for astronauts. So I think it's, it, yeah, it, it's something I'm, I'm going to be quite excited about when it comes off. Yeah. 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 It's brilliant to have that in this country and um, you know, just, uh, hopefully, you know, that will go ahead with get the planning and, you know, financial support. That'd be uh, 
brilliant you know it's needed isn't it you know mm. and um yeah it, it's good because I th- you know the space and that side of things that's not going to go away that's going to get that's going to increase and we've already got a big space industry already in this this country so um you know anything that helps that side the diving side of things you know it's, it's all going to be a good positive thing so uh, it's going to be interesting interesting time ahead Mm, absolutely yes and I'm, I'm maybe getting on in years but uh, still still not going to stop me necessarily no yeah. yes. i hope <laughs> so jim do you want to do the last question yeah so another um question we ask all our guests is if you had a billboard that the whole world could see so it can be words an image what would you put on that billboard to get a message across that you feel so is so important Pretty easy one, actually, because it's, it, it, it's, it's my team's battle cry. It's humans first, technology second. That's all you need to have, because we, we see so much. I've seen so much over the, last, the past few decades of people getting wild with technology. We talked earlier on about robots and auto, autonomous systems. Yeah. But, you know, being, being with my background in, in ergonomics or human factors, humans first, technology second, can't go wrong. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we're always going to need humans, aren't we? hope <laughs> i do hope i do hope so i do hope so yes yeah otherwise we've got you know i'll be back and uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, term, ter- terminator kind of world do we thank you very much no no no, no, no not. personalities and characters <laughs> good impression by the way i thought we had arnie right with us no it's was, it was it, give me your heart your boots and your motorcycle <laughs> I don't do impressions, by the way. This is pretty embarrassing, but there you go. You you asked for it. Yeah, very good. So, no, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for the questions. It's uh, yeah, that's, that's been fun. That's been really fun. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Lovely. Look forward to it. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, thank you very much. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. Yeah, I will, and and you too. Yeah, you take care, and thanks again. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Bye. 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 Thank you. Right, with that, so uh, thank you very much. And um, that was really great to hear from uh, Professor Robert Stone. Yeah, yeah. yeah enjoy that? Yes, yeah. Well, it's, I've not really thought about virtual reality. I know. Well, <laughs> it comes into, uh, you know, as technology uh, advances, maybe it's going to come more and more into these things. And, and I suppose, especially with deep war, yeah. you know. And from um, a safety aspect as well, and for the advancement of um, space as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, obviously the connection to Blue Abyss is, uh, yeah, highlighted and important. Yeah, and, um, you know, talk about Blue Abyss. You know, we hope we, that project happens and uh, gets planned for mission later in the year and because uh, that would be really exciting for the UK. Yeah, and I think Bob Stones would be excited about maybe trying to get <laughs> the ball. <laughs> yeah, so that would be good. Okay, so that's that. Uh, coming up, we've got... Um, Next week will be our 80th. It will be 80. My goodness. So, uh, and then we've got uh, Paddy Women's Day coming up. Yeah, sure. that's officially on the 17th of July. And we've, um, yeah, we'll have an episode out for... Bit of a special for that one. Yeah, that'll be out on the 19th on the following Monday. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, so, um, we are, by the time this comes out, it'll be belated. But, you know, what to say uh, to our friends in America? Happy Independence Day. Yes, happy Independence Day. Or somebody said to me, happy kick the Brits out, eh? 
<laughs> yeah, so it's a special day and I hope everybody's had a great day celebrating. Yeah, yes. so I know it's a bit of a been over on the, on the day and uh, it's a bit of a mad time and uh, lots of celebrations and I'm sure crazy times. I'm sure there's lots of barbecues going on at the moment today so uh, yeah I hope everyone's having a safe and great time mm. yeah so that's it yeah so uh, there we go so that's it from us yeah and obviously if you've got any people that you want to recommend um to contact us for women's dive day we'll yeah. always consider and yeah. make a little episode up for yeah. the 19th yeah, and uh, if you want to come on and talk to us about your diving or if you're involved in some kind of diving, scuba or in biology type of business, industry, whatever, uh, wherever you are. You yeah, know, or any some, anything a bit more. Raise your hand and make yourself known. Yeah, contact us. Yeah, and uh, we'll get you on to uh, have a chat and find out what you're about. Yeah. That'd be really good. Free way you can support the show is by uh, telling your buddies and giving us a review, especially on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Us get found so more people can get to hear of us. And uh, we've had a few reviews, so uh, thank you for those um, who have left us reviews on iTunes. But if you can, we always need a bit more because that always helps. It does. Yeah, uh, helps. Um, you know, with iTunes bumping up, bumping us up on the algorithm. And yeah, like tell your friends and have a listen. So uh, it's all free, you know, and uh, doesn't cost anyone anything to leave a review. Absolutely. Let us know. Yeah. So uh, that'd be really we'll good. We'll look forward to hearing from. That will. So that's it. That's it from me, you, Scuba Honey, and the Seagulls. <laughs> they might have been heard squawking in the background. And we will see you and speak to you in a week's time. Yep, episode 80. Thank you very much. Thanks for downloading. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone and the number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four. We will always respond promptly and thank you once again for downloading this episode.